Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We're your guides through sordid tales of movies, music, and pop culture. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis, so now's your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous. Please use responsibly, but do subscribe. And now your hosts, James Thomas and David Hawk. What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else? It is October 4th. It is a Monday, and you are watching the Mile High Podcast. How that happened? Because we do weird things here at the Mile High Podcast, and we change our dates. So as the beginning of our fall season starts, you should start looking for us on Monday, and hopefully on Facebook. But of course, today, Facebook had a shit ton of problems. We're going to talk about that. Facebook is having a real bad day. Right. We're going to talk about Facebook. Facebook's having a real bad day. We are going to talk about lottos. We are going to talk about pop culture. And a little bit later, we are going to go in depth with our friend Kim, our expert on our Ask the Expert Night. With that, welcome to my podcast. Sitting next to me, of course, is my buddy Dave. Dave, how are you doing tonight? Good. How's it going? Man, it has been a hot minute since we've been on here. Brother. It has been a hot minute since we've been on the podcast. The Monday is, uh, is, a, is an interesting change. It kind of throws a lot of things different but people get to watch it throughout the week and uh as i mentioned before we have our axe the expert here kim kim how are you doing today hey i'm doing super duper it's monday oh it's it's not monday it's more what it is right right it's the end of the monday monday right right and with the monday days you can go through and you can watch us and listen to us throughout the week on all of your favorite podcast channels but not on Facebook today because I thought no no I- so I got it to work on my personal page so I was able to um, share it to our page so we are live on Facebook I just had to go in the back door in order to get it to work there you go there you go for those of you who don't know our social media conglomerates the thing that keep this country churning today had just a shitty day Facebook Twitter a few different things just they went down and. It was weird on my phone. I was like, did I pay my phone bill? Because like <laughs> Facebook was not working. And I was like, I finally had to go to some other site that had like, uh, you know, got me under the internet. And I was like, oh, it was like, I think I went to CNN and they were like, hey, Facebook is broken. I was like, thank you. Thank you, CNN, for letting me know. So, <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing yeah, that's happening. A, a real, yeah, Facebook, man, I, you know, it's having a real bad couple days. Like, and it's real weird timing. It is. Well, they got. They have a. They have a whistleblower that's coming out too, and uh, she's saying a lot of different things. People are like you hate Facebook. She's like, I don't hate Facebook. I love Facebook. I want to save it. But what she's saying is like some of the practices that we had in 2016 and 2020. The moment the election happened, they just stopped it. They just wanted to yeah. go back to sharing misinformation and crap like that. You know. I saw this whole, I saw this meme, I had to talk about it, and then we'll, we'll go into something else, but it had a picture of, it said, if Facebook existed in 1776, and it had Paul Revere, and he was writing up, and he said, the British are coming, and uh, it had the fact checker logo in front of there, and that just drove me crazy for a few different reasons. Number one, that ride actually happened in 1775, which people, <laughs> and he didn't say, he never said the British are coming. He said the regulars are on the way. Now, I, I know that we're taught in school that he said the British are coming, but he said the regulars are on the way. So even in their post to like say, look how horrible Facebook is, I was like, but it is factually inaccurate. 
You were wrong about the year. You were wrong about what he said. Your point is not being made because you <laughs> don't know his jury. <laughs> so yeah, miss yeah. Same shit. It doesn't matter if uh, we have a printing press or YouTube. It's uh, it's the same shit that's been going on since sure. the beginning of time. Yeah. Porn and lies, man. Porn and lies. That's what we do when we can share things around. We share porn and we share lies. <clears throat> with that, it, with it being October 4th, it is also the fifth highest Powerball jackpot in history that's going on right now. Nice. So we're going to play a little game real quick. Like, what would you do if you went $685 million? My answer is very spiteful in personal competition with friends that I've had. I will do two things. I would buy a house bigger than my friend Monique's, and I would be a, buy a better Tesla than my buddy Darius. And that's the first two things I do. What are you going to do with that money? I don't know. These two things first, just to win some personal thing that I made up in my head. And then I don't know what I would do with the rest of that money. That's pretty funny. What about you, Ken? You got you have six hundred eighty million dollars all of a sudden. Do you take care of personal vendettas, or are you <laughs> philanthropist? What are you going to do with that? I might just bounce, mm-hmm. like go buy a weed farm. Definitely right. buy a weed farm. Definitely grow tons of tons of weed. Like a big, like a big farm, and like have a big house over it, so you can like look over your fields of weed. Need a big house because the bigger your house, the more you have to clean it and. I w- it would be rich so I could hire cleaning staff, but right. I don't necessarily want people in my house by my just my friends. That's a that's a fair point. I always thought about that about Annie. I thought how weird about how many people were going against Mr. War around Mr. Warbuck's house like all the time. There was like 60 people happening. Nobody's ever in there. I'm like, what the hell? They don't even live there. There's a bunch of empty rooms. I mean, imagine. They probably have a pretty easy job. I can't imagine Daddy Warbucks made that big of a mess. You know what I mean? Like a hundred rooms, one single guy, you know, it's the 1940s at this point, unless he was bootlegging liquor, he was probably a, you know, even Republicans too. What about you, Dave? $680 million. What are you doing? Oh, bro. I am buying, buying a nice house here. Like I don't need a, like a big fucking house or anything like that, dude. I need a house with a big enough backyard to accommodate many dogs. Uh, I need to have a specific, like a room dedicated to my cats. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm going to fucking buy some property. Like uh, a, a friend of mine and uh, I were having this discussion. This is uh, earlier this afternoon. Like we're going to buy apartments um, all over the world just so we can like hop from place to place. Um and then, you know, get a decent car, man. I, I like my Subaru, but I kind of want to upgrade. That's it. I'm a man of simple taste. Like, I'm still going to be fucking shopping at Walmart shit. And I'm not like, going to get all fancy. I'm not going to get a Tesla. I'm going to get, you know, a practical car. I'm a oh, practical guy. Tes- Go ahead, Kim. I would definitely open a cat sanctuary. Let's, like, like yeah. How Home all the stray cats. I saw a, a cat Airbnb in Tokyo where when you rent out one of their rooms, you could to come down and pick a kitten to come and spend the night yeah. with you. And then you have to return them in the morning and everything. And that's super weird, man. I don't know. How can you return the kitten after you spend the time with it? I would just adopt it and be like, sorry, get mine. Come on, kitten, let's go back to America and figure out. <laughs> 
Uh, bring my cat with us. I like how you guys went with simple life, and I just went with spite. Simple spite. Hey, simple, uh, you are true to who you are, James. Don't ever be anybody else. <laughs> you know, that's all you need to be. Um, your house, so you know. True. You can get the big house. We'll have simple houses. You can have a big house, and we'll just come party at your house. See, and I would probably get, so I've lived all over this country, and I would probably have to, for my mental thing, like, I would buy a house in every place that I live. So I'd have a house in Tennessee, Los Angeles, Orlando, New Jersey, and we'd own one in Oakland, because that's where my wife grew up. And so they don't have to be great houses, but I'm like, these were my homes. These were all literally my homes, and now I have a place that I can go to in each one of them. So Oakland is great. I know you'd spend a lot of time in Oakland's Disney. wonderful. I would spend a lot of time in Orlando. The first thing I would do too is I'd go to like Disney for a month. I would take all the people I like and I'm like, we're just going down to Disney and we're just going to live on site for a month and eat all the restaurants and fucking just nice. do it right. Are you going to get a house the that's on the Disney property? Would you do that? Yeah, Celebration. So Celebration is the only town that actually is officially on Disney owned property and everything, but those houses are like $3 million. They decided to buy it in 1980 and uh they moved it out of Reddy Creek, so I know a lot of useless Disney trivia, but uh, they used to have it. It used to be part of the Reddy Creek district. The problem with that is that Disney owns the land. They're, they're their own uh, city. And so the biggest problem with moving people into their city was that then they had a vote on things like that, and they no longer control the power. So they, they are technically on Disney property, but they're a completely different city because Disney didn't want to give up the fact that, like, whatever they wanted to do they wanted to be able to have the seven people who are officially living in that area vote for it to go through florida's crooked as shit man i mean when it comes to like city building and everything florida is crooked as shit santori our buddy from the other show lived in this make-believe town that like was an apartment complex and uh, there was like seven or eight people lived there just for the pure voting and i think we lost dave or he's moving very slowly <laughs> He is frozen in time. He is definitely frozen in time. And now I'm the host. Now Dave's the host. No, this is what happens. Oh, oh, back. I'm back. I you got worried about my internet. Right. Fuck right. Man. Except I was able to see Kim. Kim was still moving. So I, I assume that we had the connection. But uh, we had uh, lost Dave. Uh, this is fall. So we talked about that. What do you guys look most forward to? Because the first episode of fall, we are all in Colorado. What is it that you most look forward to? And since Kim, I can see you and Dave still coming back up. What do you look forward to? What's the what about the fall season? Is your what do you like about it? Wearing dresses with a hoodie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The clothes in fall are a lot. Yeah, clothes in fall. Yeah, clothes in fall are absolutely great. They're comfy. They're, they 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 hold you tight, you know. Yeah, gotta rock the hoodie. I got so many hoodies. They're absolutely for me. It's the pullover with the hand pockets in the front oh, with yeah. the like, connected yeah. hand pockets. I love that shit. That's that's my jam. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Dave? Laura, oh. I want to I want to uh, quickly say. Uh, Laura Roberts wants to pay off her kids' school loans with her uh, Powerball winning. So very practical, Laura. Nice. Roberts. Um, Everybody's better fall, people. I, than I'm I just am. looking forward to not fucking sweating every time I get out of my car. That's what I'm most looking forward to in fall. 
Cause it, I, man, during the summer, dude, it's like I get on my car and I'm instant fucking sweat. Right. So I wear shorts 365 days a year. Um, I like, I rock the hoodie and shorts, but it's just like, you know, you know summertime, it's just fucking sweating my balls off. It was so funny when our buddy D and I moved down to Florida, we moved down in like October and we just wore shorts like through January and people were freaking out. They're like, why are you wearing shorts? I'm like, we're from Colorado. It's 64 degrees, man. It's, this is like heaven. This is perfect. This is all said. Um, yeah, I like fall. I, I'm going to go with the same thing. I don't like being fucking hot throughout the summer. And Colorado, I mean, it is hot. When you're in the sun here, people don't understand. There is a heat to it. You can't hide in shade because we don't have humidity. And that's the great thing about Colorado. But the sun is, it's a tough sun here. It's in a it's so, it's Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And the clothes. And I'm, I'm a Halloween guy. This is my thing. I love a good Halloween party. You know, I and, and especially like growing up Halloween, kids ain't got shit on growing up Halloween. Growing up Halloween so much better than kid Halloween. They just don't know it yet. Yes. <laughs> so I know, I've never been into Halloween, but now I know people who are like super into <clears throat> Halloween, and I kind of have I'm forced to join along, and I'm not so sure about that. Which is weird because you love horror movies. I would think at I least do, for you, yeah, like that's very October cool. would be like. Every night, I'm going to watch a different horror well, movie. Well, yeah, that's right. one thing. But, like, dressing up and going to parties, that's never been my thing. But now, like, you know, now I'm hanging out with people who, like, this is their time of year. Just like yours and Mel's, it's like, this is their time of year. So, like, yeah. I have to step up to the plate here. Costuming is fun, man. You get to, like, make it work for, like, who you are and everything. I love costumes. I used to go as Bill Clinton because when I have short hair, I look exactly like I have short curly hair. I look exactly like Bill Clinton. The point that my mom always said that she's like, I did go to college in Arkansas. So, you know, yeah, that's funny. Uh, you had this like phase where you look just like Matt Dillon hmm. from uh, Outsiders, like just like him. Oh, so not Matt Dillon from Reality Bites, but uh, from an Outsiders. The Golden Pony Boy. There you go. Do you want to um, hear some weird, dude? I'm sorry. I, I have to add, put this in here just because it's super fucking weird. There is one celebrity my entire life. And if you look at me now, you'll be like, this guy is full of shit. I swear to God, I have been told I look like this celebrity dozens of times throughout the course of my life. People said I used to look like Emilio Estevez. I, I swear to God. And I never saw it, but at least 12 people in my entire life have said I look like Emilio Estevez. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's just some weird thing, like some weird factoid. Like, who fucking thought I look like Emilio Estevez? So I think if you, I, I think that I think the the gingerness of your hair, Dave, is what in, mentally in my mind throws it away. But if I throw a cowboy Emilio hat, ginger? no, he's not. That's why every time I try to picture you as it, as Emilio Estevez, it doesn't work. But if I throw a cowboy hat, like when you were younger, I could see a young guns Emilio Estevez. You had kind of a a baby face when you were younger. So, I've been told I look like Seth Rogen. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, what are you, Kim? Do you ever get told that you look like anybody? No, <laughs> no. You're your own person. Well, my hair looks like Farrah Fawcett the other day, and I was like, "That is very nice. Thanks for the compliment." That is a complimentary thing. Oh, wow, that is so nice. Generationally, people wanted not everybody would understand the compliment of a Farrah Fawcett hair, you know. But if you know, you know that is a compliment, you know. It is a compliment. <laughs> so, and no products. So I was like, yeah, that's great. 
That's I, I actually straightened my hair the other day and it looked <laughs> yeah, super that was, crazy. That was fucking weird, dude. You look like Prince Charming from Shrek. I, I did. I did kind of look like that guy. And it went down to like the middle of my back almost. It was like, because oh. the curls, you can't tell because it goes up. But like, yeah, I, I didn't realize how long my hair was. It went down to the middle of my back. It's freaking crazy. I think we lost Dave again. Dave's having problems. He's always smiling at least when it freezes. He's right. Just- yeah. Right. You don't want that. You don't want that awkward freeze. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible look type thing. That reminds me when I was like in eighth grade, video cameras were kind of new and everything. And uh, we were doing class presentations and we had, we, our teachers had recorded like the whole thing. And me and my buddy, Scott Abrams, for some reason, we were in the class after school and we were talking to the teachers because i live right near the school so sometimes i hung out and there was a senior named jamie who was trying to hook up with me in eighth grade and so i wanted to see where she was going with that whole thing but we were talking to the teachers and they were explaining like yeah so we were doing the recording and we were looking around and i caught a kid picking his nose on camera and everything and my buddy scott was like was it me and i'm like what do you mean man now we know at least you may not be on camera, but during these presentations, you were like picking your nose. So we were talking about how you always freeze in complimentary positions versus like crazy. I don't know what's up on my internet tonight, man. Fuck that. It's been, we haven't had a I show in weeks. Uh, All right. Well, before we go to the ask the expert, because um we got to talk about our pop culture thing. Dave usually gives me a list, but I've been doing this so often right now. And I, he may have, and I didn't even look at it. But we're going to talk a little bit of pop culture before we talk pop culture. And hey. we're going to go through what are we watching? And so since Dave, I know, always has some good things lined up for the specific what are we watching section, because he watches things a lot. Dave, what are you watching? What should we be watching? Um. And not Ted Lasso. Don't tell me Ted Lasso. I get it. Everyone should watch Ted Lasso, apparently. Which is funny. Okay, so I don't know if uh, our audience realizes this is what James does. So I'm like, James, you've got to watch Ted Lasso. And you're like, okay, I will watch Ted Lasso. Two weeks later, James, how is Ted Lasso? Like, I watched literally everything else on Apple Plus except for Ted Lasso. I did. I watched watched physical. I watched watch. You gotta watch Ted Lasso, but uh, hands down, dude, the, the fucking show of the summer is Only Murders in the Building on Hulu with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. Oh, fucking great, dude! It is such a fun show. Um, um, Tina Fey's in it. Nate, um, uh, dude from Birdcage, uh, Nathan Lane. You know him, James. Nathan there you Lane. Go, Nathan Lane. He's great in it. Martin, but Martin Short is so fucking good in this show. It's awesome. I would do. I would second that. It's on Hulu. The most recent episode they did. There was no dialogue in a 37-minute episode. There was no spoken dialogue in a 37-minute episode. It was brilliant. Like, you got, like, 15 minutes into it, and you're like, holy shit. Are they not going to say anything this entire episode? Is there not going to be any dialogue? And it was engrossing. It was a killer half hour of television. I was like, it was good. I I would double that. I would 100% agree with that. What about you, Kim? Anything that we should be watching? Um, you guys probably already watched Manifest, but I I finished Manifest recently. And, uh, I have not. That's the one on um, 
Is that the most recent horror movie on HBO Go? No, Manifest is a series about some people that like basically were on the Malaysia flight and it disappeared and then like reappeared five years later and it's all their Netflix, right? Things that happen about them. It's not the Malaysia flight, but it's like it is. Yeah. That's cool. I, that, you know what? I think I've actually watched the first episode of it because if, if I'm right, it's on Netflix. And Netflix was like, the number one thing that we're watching right now is Manifest. And I'm like, stop trying to make me watch Manifest. And then I got so, like an episode or two into it. It's good. Uh, kind of. I mean, it's like so bad that it is really good. And I can't wait for Netflix to pick it up and release a new season because they've got the first two on Netflix, one on Hulu. And they're gonna Netflix allegedly picked it up, so that'll be exciting. The other thing I've been watching uh, is Taskmaster. Hmm. Like, mm, interesting. It's a British show. I think it's on YouTube. I think I've been watching it on YouTube, and it's um, it's very good when you're. Now, what is Taskmaster about? Is it like a reality uh, show, or is it a scripted like show? It's like a comedy reality live skit show where they like. If they have to complete these just outrageous tasks. Oh, so like British Impractical Jokers. Yeah. Which is great because I hate the Impractical Jokers. But if they were British, I'd like them. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I'm saying yes, but I don't actually know what that is. So I'm just. It sounds like Impractical Jokers. They're just these four Jersey guys. Okay. Taskmaster. I'll I'll definitely have to check it out. Dave? Um, Fuck. I just. Oh, man. I lost it. Come Come back to me. All right. Um, so I watched, since we were on the Netflix thing, I watched Clickbait. Clickbait is eight strong, simple, good episodes. It draws you in. You go through it all around. Solid show. I totally appreciate this smaller series show that, because of streaming, has finally came to America. Because I watch British TV a lot because I love that their series are uh, seven to, like, 13 episodes for a season. Because... You tell the best story in that. And that's what was good about clickbait. It was a short show, but it covered everything. So. Never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth it. Kim, have you seen any? I haven't seen any of it. Um, yeah. You're going to talk British TV shows. Russell T. Davies. He's coming back to Doctor Who. <laughs> I know. That is so dope. Writer for Doctor Who, because you look confused down there, Dave. That's a, it's like the best Doctor Who writer. It's like the holy grail of Doctor right. Who is coming back to save the world. Right. So like Russell T. Davis, here's the thing about Russell T. Davis. The best way to explain it is he loves the Doctor. Now, the perfect Russell T. Davis uh, season is he gets to write the overall season story because he loves bringing in old people. He brings Sarah Jane. He brings in K-9. He's all about the lore of Doctor Who. His episodes on their own are not super always the best, but his overall story season is great. So if you get me Russell T. Davis writing the overall story arc of the season and you throw in some Stephen Moffat episodes in the middle of it, like the girl in the fireplace and everything, that is like golden, top-notch Doctor Who. And Doctor Who fans, Kim's right, Russell T. Davis coming back to Doctor Who Huge, huge for Doctor Who fans. Do you think the the lady doctor got a, a raw deal? Because uh, you know she left pretty abruptly. So I don't know anything. I don't have a skin in this game, but it seems as though the toxic Doctor Whovians 
fucking made her bounce out. So here's here's what I'll say about Jodie Whittaker. I think Jodie Whittaker is a brilliant actress. I think she does. She's she's perfectly wonderful as the Doctor. She's working with a couple different things. Poor writing. These seasons have been poor writing. And strangely enough, I love all of the companions individually that she has. I don't like them all together. I don't like them working with her. I would almost rather they got rid of everybody but her and Chaz. Or is that her name? Uh, The uh, Muslim cop. Oh, no. Okay. Yes. 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 I like her connection with yes. Not that I don't like the other, you know, not like that I don't like the other characters. I think they're perfectly fine what you want from Doctor Who companions. But for some reason, there was just not, I didn't get that connection from them. So, but I didn't like Clara when she first showed up. I also didn't like Clara. I, I, I loved her after, like, when she, like, when she departed, I cried. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and I didn't love her as um, as the companion to the Peter Capaldi because I did not love Peter. Moving from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi was super tough. And really, if, if I'm honest, the first do- half dozen episodes that Peter Capaldi's in, almost even the first whole season he carries himself, just it just wasn't there. I didn't feel a connection between him and Clara. I didn't feel him as the doctor. Now kick me into season two and Peter Capaldi knows his doctor and everything like that. His connection with Clara is great. It, 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 it really changed up on that one. See, Dave, you can disappear. Kim and I can talk about Doctor Who all night. Man, I, I am way too high to try to figure out IT issues right now. So <laughs> way too high. Um, I love your shirt, by the way. Uh, thank you. I wore it for you. It's my favorite. Did you, that is like the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, I have a whole bunch of these signed shirts. Like, I have a a Wu Tang one that says Hawking for Stephen Hawking. I love these like science shirts. And I, I noticed that on the mushroom shrooming night. I uh, when we were shrooming the other night, I looked over that shirt and I was like, "That's a Wu Tang label, but it says Hawking's underneath it." And I was like, "I was like, what that? What's going on here?" This it was it, for me. It was very confusing for a moment. I I couldn't quite figure that out. Should we discuss our our uh, Truckee Pacific um, house party? Our first annual Truckee Pacific house party before we get I'm down to discuss. Yeah, yeah. Before before I have to turn it over to you guys to do the ask the expert thing and everything. Let's discuss the Truckee Pacific All right. house party. So we did what any responsible forty year old male would do, and we rented an Airbnb in Grand Lafayette, Colorado, home of uh, weed scientist Kim Neubauer. Um, we fucking ate a whole bunch of mushrooms and proceeded to laugh our asses off so much so that my voice was hoarse the next day. Um, this house that we stayed in was super fucking weird, man. I mean, like, there was a, a this huge mirror at the top of the stairs. And so, like, you know, we're fucking tripping on some mushrooms and shit. We're going up the stairs and we're faced with ourselves, like a full body version of ourselves. Uh, it was a strange place to put a mirror. Like, literally, so you go up. Like it, 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 almost a townhouse, almost a layout of a townhouse. So you're going up a, a stairwell where the bathrooms at the very top, and then you go over and it just splits into two different bedrooms. But where the wall is over here, instead of a wall, it's like 
just a giant mirror. And it wasn't like they designed the wall to have a mirror in it. They just took a big ass mirror <laughs> and leaned it against the wall. I was like, well, okay. They probably give it a size of scope type thing for people to feel bigger, but it was just weird. Yeah, there are two other things that really were strange um, as well. Uh, one, there was this like attached garage to this house, and there's like no pipes, no like um, utilities going out to it. But there's like some dude living in it, and we there was like a, a note like, "Don't talk to this guy, don't mess with him." Like this guy might come over and fucking stab us in the middle of the night or something. So yeah. we we're on we we're on uh, guard for him. And the weirdest fucking thing was our homeboy Darius, uh, who came with us. Uh, he chose a bedroom that, for some reason, had a lock on the outside to lock who, the person in the room. Like, why? What was the? What possibly could be the the reason why you would need a lock on the outside to keep the person inside that fucking? So that was that's probably the strangest thing about this house. I enjoyed running through the house in the dark and scaring people. That was definitely a plus of mine. And there was a giant, like, nest. Like, we went to a playground with a giant, like, uh, oh, fucking, yeah, we like... An elementary school and hung out there for a minute. Yeah, because I love to walk. Huh? Tell me more about this place. So it was an elementary school with a giant, like, you know how the old have the, the old playgrounds where it's usually a bunch of wood where you can climb up to the top of it, where this time it was one of those, uh, like, a rope, like... Uh -huh ladders and but they had, they had it it was like uh on a boat you know what i mean like where you can lay out on the front of the boat and shit yeah cool. it was that it was that kind of uh like little layout it's weird nice it was dope yeah and the shoes again, good, man. like going for a walk <laughs> yeah dude they were fucking <laughs> bomb dude they were very good yeah i love walks I recommend I love five stars for me shrooming has to be you know i mean i can do it at home and i can do that kind of stuff but some of my best experiences are getting to a place, taking shrooms as I get to that place and just letting it set up. Like one time, one of my old friends, uh, he, we wanted to do some shrooms, but we didn't want to do it at either of our houses. I was like, let's just meet downtown. So I met him downtown and we just ate shrooms at Union Station and just started walking. We're like, we'll just start walking and see where we are for You love to go walking. Yes. I fucking Every time walking. I fucking rolled with you, bro, you were always walking. Yeah. I'm a walker. I lived in, I lived right outside of New York. I spent a lot of time in New York City. We just, you walk in that, in that city. The kids, when they were growing up, they were like, they just knew that if we hit New York, you're walking three miles that day. Even taking the subway and doing everything, it, it's just a pedestrian-based city. And I love that so much more. I would rather walk places. I would rather live in a pedestrian-based area than drive places. What about you, Kim? I, are you able to just disclose if you have taken hallucinogenics before i know you're uh, you oh, have I have, people watching sure. uh, um, no they can watch they can know uh, i've <laughs> taken uh you know my my fair amount of, of hallucinogens i like taking them at concerts um i like having a lot of sensory input when i'm on them uh just i feel like it makes it go much smoother right yeah i enjoy watching concerts on youtube much to the chagrin of both my roommates on Friday, I kept trying to put on concerts. They're like, no, we're changing it to this Johns Hopkins playlist. <laughs> I did. I put on the John Hopkins psychedelic playlist. I love it because it's just the music in the background. And I've done shrooms with people on it. And if 
you just let it play it kind of sets the tone of like it kind of levels your trip in the background and then we watch yeah it's great it's 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 fucking super cool like one time when my friend was bitching about her ex but she was just kind of starting to complain about it but then the music got you got really big deep basses and intensity and everything like that and it was so weird because i could watch the music guide her emotional level you know it was it was fucking awesome that's really cool that and i like watching the dark side of the moon lined up with uh the wizard of oz i never get tired i know that was that was a strange thing come when we were coming in and all of a sudden the wizard of oz is playing like i don't know what's going on here because it's definitely not the wizard of oz music coming out of there i can't do pink floyd i i cannot do pink floyd like it's too dark for me like when i'm on shrooms i'm like everything is bright and shiny and i want to be happy fucking pink floyd is such a downer like i can't i can't do it it just set like you said it sets the trip so you're like like i don't i don't see the enjoyment in that i mean a laser light show a laser light okay. show tripping to people. We didn't say laser light show. No. Hell yeah, laser light show would be pretty sweet. Right. What are you smoking tonight, James? This is dark inherently a little bit in itself. It is. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. You know Look, what you watch you, you tripping think about? I was thinking about what a poor thing Dorothy had to go with. Like she already lived in buttfuck in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of the dust bowls and everything. And the biggest thing that she ended up dealing with is that some lady came and jacked her dog. They got the court to say they could jack her dog because she sniffed at him. How close could that lady possibly live to Aunt Anne's house that that dog was ever going to hurt her again? Like, this girl's life was destroyed. She's like, I live in Kansas. The Dust Bowl is happening right at this time. And some other bitch came and took my dog for no reason. Think about tough lives. That's worse than, like, that, that's like somebody taking your phone, but a living be there like, no. If your phone dog. was alive, it'd be a dog. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it is Dorothy's dog. Um, uh, what are you right. smoking before you go? What are you smoking? Okay, I am smoking weed. No, it's from it's uh, <laughs> from uh, the fucking one right of the street from my house. Live well? Does that sound right? No, natural yeah. selections. Natural selections. It is lemon OG. It's uh, it's all right. It's it's weed. It's weed. It's weed. Dave had some killer weed on that. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, no, I, I like I like the little pins. Dave always has cool little weed things now. He yeah, was, man. Uh, you know, being in the industry for uh, all of six weeks, uh, I get a lot of cool shit. You know, it's a cool job, man. Like that was all the thing sorts of samples and shit. It's fun. Oh, that's the thing I used to love about chefing. Whenever you go to uh, the uh, trade shows, mm-hmm. as a chef, they give you fucking food. Like I, I came home from my first trade show with, uh, um, oh, I forget which one of the people that sent out the big food with like three giant bags of huge tortillas and cheeses and melts. Like, what the hell is that? I was like, apparently, a trade shows for chef. They're like, here is just food. Take it home and try that shit. So that's, that's why I'm looking forward to when weed gets big and as the Mile High podcast keeps growing, we're going to go to trade shows, the big ones, and they're just going to give us weed and like pipes and shit. Even the small ones just gave us a bunch of shit. That's where we all met. It was like a trade show party type yeah. thing. And they gave us food. And they fed you and, and you got free shit. Yeah. yeah. It's still only booze that they gave us out free, but that's fine. You could take a hit. You could take some dabs, but... 
It was still only booze. Um, the dab thing was cool. Yeah. 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 The dab thing was cool. I've never been in a place where you publicly present out dabs and everything. So it's, it's cool. a different world, bro. All right, man. It I know you got to go. Well, and so I had a whole plan on how we're going to do this. Thank you for the Mile High podcast part of this. Now, it is time for our special one-on-one interview with our expert, Kim, and our dispensary guru, Dave, answering all your weed questions. I will see you in the next Monday. I'm sorry I'm going to be there for this. Kick ass. Thanks for watching the Mile High podcast. Bye, James. Uh, Hopefully, my internet will... Uh, keep going like we're we're getting we're getting a little nervous though because it's just the two of us on the internet that's gonna kick me off again so let's cross our fingers um yeah <laughs> like if you see me like freeze up and i'm like you don't hear me just like roll with it just like start doing something and just like start dancing or something i'm into it right on you're talking um, about weed yeah yeah just keep going man you you are very passionate about the marijuana and i you know, that's one thing that uh, we loved when we chatted you up. So um, James kind of mentioned, like, we met Kim at a 710 uh, event. Uh, 710 is a liquor company, but they also do concentrates up in Boulder. Um, and that's where we met Kim. It was a, at a cannabis event, and um, she sat down. We started chatting up, and she was, you know, she has a cool fucking job, super passionate about weed. Um, she, we instantly, you know, we became friends, and, uh, we needed to have her on the show. She fucking came on the James's games and won on her first fucking go around. Uh, um, so we knew we had to have her on. Uh, we tried to have her on a couple weeks ago, but James had a family emergency. So finally, after all this time, we finally got our weed scientists on. Uh, Kim Newbauer, we are so happy to have you on. Um, so welcome to the Mile High Podcast. Thank you for being so cool and so patient with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You can check out my yeah. cat. He's checking things out. Yeah. <laughs> Your cat's pretty cool. What kind of cat is that? He is a Bengal. His name is Mr. Bean. He he would like to Mr. Bean. Perfect. the cats outside. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Um, so Kim, you uh, kind of, you know, you're a weed scientist, but what exactly, you know, is your title and what exactly do you do? So I am the lab facilities manager at Front Range Biosciences, and I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, Being a manager, you know, kind of means a lot of admin work, Uh, but my background is in molecular biology and also in analytical chemistry. Um, So the company that I work for, we breed hemp. Uh, We're moving into the cannabis space as well. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, but one of the things we look for, uh, in addition to, you know, what the market desires is to breed for minor cannabinoids. And so we're talking things like THCV, CBC, CBDV, uh, the Varin, the V stands for Varin, and that's just a different uh, kind of compound that the plant makes. And so... Um, finding those is especially useful in medicine and in other like isolate type products. What are you hoping to, um, why are you like kind of honing in on these certain cannabinoids, these minor ones? Um, and like, how do they affect the plant? Um, so 
I'm not really sure how they affect the plant too much. Um, when you, I guess when you grow a THCV dominant plant like the plant, uh, they, they don't look as, as robust as some of the other plants. Um, so like if you have a indica plant, like the, the leaves are very broad, the plant is very stout and, and bushy and it's big and it's voluptuous. See, I love how you talk about plants are, <laughs> THCV plants are not like that. THCV plants, they're very uh, like scraggly. Um, you know, they have less less plant material is, is something that we've that we've seen. Um, and you know, it's all plant to plant dependent and depends on what genes you're you're going for. Um, but when you try to like boost some of these minor cannabinoids. Uh, you know, you end up with uh, different behaviors from the plants. Uh, they're especially valuable uh, because when you take things like uh, in California, there's a company that makes a product called Doug's Varin, and they, I believe they make like a, a disposable pen out of it. And this Varin is good for anti-anxiety and it's good for uh, appetite suppression. And so it's like, yeah. And whereas like other weed and other cannabinoids, when they're dominant, you know, you might eat the entire contents of your refrigerator. I know yeah. I so that's so funny you said it because I, I just joined a study, uh, Wana Gummies, who's like one of the big gummy companies out here. They're actually doing a test. They created a gummy which it's a THCV dominant, and they're doing a test on part of it to see uh, you know if it could work as a appetite suppressant. Yeah, please send me that information. I believe that Wana is a is a company that, um, you know, is very good to work with. Nice. Um, so, what is the the research that you're looking at right now, or that you're in charge of? Um, so, you know, we're doing different kinds of method development for different compounds. I can only say so much because uh, part of what our company yeah does definitely develop, yep. we develop intellectual property around yeah. So um, looking at different like testing for hops latent thyroid and developing other kinds of tests that allow you to um, detect certain genes in the cannabis plant that helps with breeding. So that's uh, in addition to like developing strains and stuff, we, we have a full portfolio of IP that we develop. So what kind of, are you able to talk about like what kind of gene research you're doing with them? Because that, that was pretty, uh, an, an interesting thing that I was, you know, hearing about was like, um, you know, the different genes of the different strains, like you can kind of identify, you know, this one is going to be kind of a, a anti-anxiety type plant because it has this particular gene. Um, is that something that you're doing and are you able to talk about that? Sure, I can talk a little bit about that. So just don't get fired. Think, right, totally. So think of when you're doing uh, breeding selection. When you're doing breeding selection, you're going to have several, and, and you pop, you know, a seed lot, you may have several different uh, phenotypes that show up, and that's like different uh, plant traits. So like same genetics, different presentation, but you're only looking for presentation A. And when they're very young, it's hard to uh, determine whether it's presentation A, B, or C, or uh, some other mutant. They're very young. And so you grow them up to be larger, and then you do chemical testing or genetic testing on them when they're older to find out the, pro to the profiles. Well, that's a lot of metric 
integration. Uh, when your plants get above a certain height, you have to integrate them into metric, like when you're on the side of things. Uh, it's a lot of supplies that you're using. And so if you can actually identify what plants, what your plants are gonna make uh, based on what genes they have early on, then you can actually cull the genetics that you don't want. Um, and then you can focus your time and your efforts on the plants that you do want and allows you to not waste a bunch of time and effort. Um, the, another thing that you can do is identify males or maleness versus femaleness early mm -hmm. on. So something I, I grew for the first time this year and I have these genetic assays at my fingertips that I can use and I, I didn't, silly me. Um, I was you know, busy doing work things. And I didn't even think to like, oh, okay. I thought I'll be able to identify these males. And actually I wasn't able to identify them until much too late. Um, I went out of town for a weekend and I came back and like a, a handful of my plants were just like very obviously male. And I was like, oh, okay. So one of my plants has, one of my females has seeds this year. And that's that's totally fine. Uh, we have a question from YouTube. Um, what is you know what's the big deal of having a male plant? So your male plant introduces pollen into your grow, and so the plants that we're smoking um, and using are females. You know, females produce flower, and so uh, if your male plant starts developing male parts and you know starts making pollen and dispersing pollen to your females, that's when you end up with seeded plants. And that's mm. if you're doing breeding projects, um, but most of us are not doing breeding projects. And so having males in our grow that we don't remove early on can ruin our grows. Awesome. Um, so you said you're growing. Um, do you have any pictures by chance of what you're growing? And tell us what you have. I would love to share that. Let me share my screen here. Hold on one second. So doo -doo -doo. this is my grow at home. Um, there's a lot more pots than plants, but that's okay. Um, my, this is uh, some OG Kush from Humboldt Seed Company. Uh, so that's that's in full flower and that's my this this scraggly one over here is the one that got seeded. So um, I'm gonna take some seed out of that. But these are all all in flower. So my roommate and I will get down on those here pretty soon. They're almost ready. Nice. Is this the the first time that you've grown? This is the first time I've grown. Yeah. Nice. So I'm actually really surprised that it even turned out looking like that. How much work was it? Uh, I mean, you have to take care of them every day. Or mm. I, I take care of them every day. I sing to them and um, no, that's real. I do in the morning, I sing to them. They, I think they like it. They're really frosty. So I'm gonna just nice. sing to them in the morning. That's not science, but- That's passion. I, I think it's a, uh, it's passion, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's, that's um, uh, earlier uh, when we were first were uh, looking at for doing the show and we were trying to come on, uh, we asked uh, our listeners and our, our viewers to ask some questions here. So um, one of the questions that uh, we got, we actually got a couple of these um, was what is the difference between um, THC and CBD? 
And then a related question is like, what is the entourage effect? Because I've been hearing that CBD doesn't work unless you have the cannabinoids from the THC. Um, so can you explain what the difference between THC and CBD is and what the entourage effect is? So the idea that CBD doesn't work by itself is, is not correct. It just works differently. So the entourage effect is the idea that uh, using all the different compounds in the plant together synergistically gives a different effect and some might argue better effect than just using THC by itself or CBD by itself. So that's when you look at extracts of, of hemp that are full spectrum um, that indicates that there's like a, a variety like a lots of different compounds in there it's not just isolate of cbd it's it's a full spectrum oil um, and when you have all those different compounds together it, you know they, there's the synergistic effect that it produces and so all those compounds are the minor cannabinoids that i was talking about um, but then additionally, terpenes, flavonoids, aldehydes, ketones, other much, you know, more minor compounds that are produced in the plant. Um, I have a, a slide I want to show you guys about, about the composition of what's in your cannabis. So those are some really nice trichomes. Can you, can you see my screen? Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. So like, Cannabis is majorly water. Uh, I brought, I took this slide out of a, a slide deck that was given to me by Don, Donald Bland. He's a chemistry professor at uh, UC Davis and also uh, part of our staff at Front Range Biosciences. Um, and so in the slide deck that he gave me is this beautiful slide and I, I wanted to share this with you guys. So obviously uh, you know, there's cannabinoids and we know about cannabinoids. We know THC, we know CBD. There's tons of other cannabinoids that we don't talk about. Um, at Front Range Biosciences, the method that we use for uh, developing our strains on the analytical chemistry side of things, our method for detection of cannabinoids, I think we test for 24 different cannabinoids. And so you may know about CBD and THC, but like I detect, you know, more than 20 other different cannabinoids potentially not in everything but that's you know how we uh breed for but then uh there's also terpenoids and so you hear a lot about terpenes and those are uh powerful compounds that are found in all sorts of other uh natural plants and things like that so uh if you think eucalyptus uh eucalyptol that's uh found in those plants and so um, oregano has terpenes, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about the essential oil boom that's going on right now and, you know, women's pe people selling doTERRA and things like that, a lot of those uh, essential oils, you know, the, the some of the smells that you're smelling on those are terpenes. And then flavonoids as well are, are compounds that are in the, can the cannabis plant. Wow. Who knew? Who knew? Lots of stuff in there. Lots of stuff. That's awesome. Like, um, you know, everybody, you know, you kind of go to that, like THC and CBD, but um, mm -hmm. people when we're shopping, like, and this is one thing that my company is like really trying to, to educate our shoppers or our guests is like, everybody goes straight for the, the highest rating THC. Um, mm -hmm. 
but we're trying to tell them it's not about the highest rating. It's, it's you know, you want the terpenes, you want the cannabinoids, you want, you know, right. you want it to smell good. I look for a strain that I know tends to be higher in THCB personally. Um, a lot of the uh, certificates of analysis are not available at dispensaries. And so I look for something that's, you know, closer to like the 14, 15% THC. I don't, I like to like go, go nerd out on things. And I find that if I smoke something that's 23%, I'll, I'm, on the couch or if it's a heavy sativa i might get anxiety yeah um and that's one thing that uh, a lot of folks don't realize is like you know they go for that heavy thc but along with that like real strong strain especially like if you're not uh, um a, a smoker like me who smokes every day um right. we get a lot of fucking people from out of state and they're like give me the highest thc <laughs> and we're like dude it, you know drinking want. a beer yeah. at altitude versus um sea level is you know it's a big effect and smoking at mountain air versus sea level in a high potent thc man is gonna tear you a new one even like some of like the 20 percent range it'll fuck somebody up so uh we're trying to dissuade people from going to that thc because um man you, that there's no joke about that anxiety when you're on too high a uh, thc level absolutely people are having a hard time with edibles when they're uh, inexperienced, um, you might think, oh, a five milligram edible, that's not that much. But if you're not somebody who consumes very often, that five milligram edible might be very intense for you. Uh, somebody that I'm very close to in a state where cannabis is not legal. Uh, so if there's a very strong CBD and Delta eight market there, uh, she was given a Delta eight company, a Delta eight gummy. Uh, I believe she said it was 10 milligrams. And this is a person who has never consumed THC in their life ever, has never smoked, has never eaten an edible. They went there to go get a, a CBD tincture because they were interested in the non-psychoactive benefits of, of CBD. And the gummy that they were given was Delta-8, which is highly psychoactive. Um, that's that's a very popular thing, especially in states that it, where where cannabis is not legal and you know she was scared terrified and so mm. uh, people coming here also taking gummies that when they're inexperienced and ending up in the hospital with almost like an overdose which isn't an overdose it's more of like an overload on your receptors uh, and it presents as like extreme nausea and so the emergency rooms do see a lot of those things and it comes from inexperience and so it is yeah. important for dispensaries to educate their customers uh, about the safe uses of cannabis. Absolutely. Um, you know, we provide a service, but we have to be safe about it. Like if you're a bartender, you don't, if you see somebody who's drunk, you're not going to feed them more alcohol. You know, you, you need to do right. the responsible thing. And the same thing with weed. Like if you know somebody uh, is inexperienced and they're like, give me that fucking 28% or give me these fucking dabs, these 86%, 89% dabs. You know, you, you got to like, dude, you got to fucking chill out on that shit, you know. Sure. Um, so one of the, the weird things that I learned uh, over the last couple of weeks is like to really affect the, uh, make the gummies work better is to eat like an avocado or eat a high fat diet. Have you heard that before? I haven't, but that makes sense. I mean, uh, cannabis is, is fat soluble, so... 
Yeah. So I, I guess if you um, want your edibles to be more effective, eat a fucking cheeseburger. So you eat a cheeseburger before and then like eat half before and then half after because you're going to want that fucking cheeseburger once you're done. Um, so the question you asked a moment ago is what's the difference between um, yeah. and CBD? And I touched on a little bit in what I just said and that one is is thought to be psychoactive and one not. And by psychoactive, I mean get you high. So if you take uh, a CBD tincture um, that's, you know, derived from hemp. hemp. Hemp is defined as having less than 0.3% THC. So when you're looking at that in a CBD extract, you're looking for next to no THC. And so um, CBD and THC have the same chemical formula. And so when you look at them and like, you know, the CH, da, 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 they're the same, but they're a different arrangement. And that different arrangement allows them to interact with your brain in a different way. And so CBD uh, has actually a low affinity for the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which are in your endocannabinoid system in your brain and in your body. Um, and that's like the main receptors when the news talks about the endo, about endocannabinoids and how it works with your body is the CB1 and CB2. THC, on the other hand, has a high affinity for interacting with those. And it's all because of the different way that those molecules um, are shaped. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, is there really a difference these days between sativas and indicas? Or is pretty much every plant that we're on the market is pretty much just a hybrid anyway? That, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, unless you're going down to the genetics and having genetic sequencing done to your plants, like, is, is it really possible to say, like, kind of, because you can look at the way that your plant grows. So when you look at a sativa, your sativa is going to be having thinner leaves. It's going to grow very tall or taller and skinnier, and it's going to be kind of lanky of a plant. Whereas your indica, as I mentioned earlier, is going to have like broad leaves. It's going to be a bushier, stouter, fuller, voluptuous plant. And so um, you can kind of tell based on the growth, like what those genetics are going to look like. But, you know, things have been bred together so much that unless you really know your lineage, that, that, that's kind of hard to say. Like, I would say that I do know the lineage of the plants that I'm growing because I got my seeds from a reputable seed distributor. Um, whereas, you know, back in the day, having a bag and being like, oh man, I found the seed in my bag. <laughs> this came from this is great. I'm going to plant this. Like, which still happens, you know, still could happen. Like, I have you know, pals that grow and, you know, I could end up with, with seed. My, my plants have seed, but I know where that pollen came from. And so like, I know that the pollen that pollinated my plant came from OG Kush and that's what I'm growing is OG Kush. And so uh, those seeds are going to be OG Kush, but like in a different situation where I didn't have males and I ended up with seeds. Well, it could mean that somebody in the neighborhood had a boy and that pollen got airborne and got on my plant. So who knows what those genetics are then? And like, maybe those genetics are really good and they end up somewhere somehow. And you know, it's all so, about where genetics came from. That kind of leads me to my next question. And we're gonna, you know, 
we're this is amazing. Uh, we're gonna ask just a couple more questions, but um, this kind of leads me to this question. So, um, you see these weird fucking names of weed like OG Mac and Creamsicle this and that, and like uh, the name really kind of combines the two different lineages of the strains. So, kind of going back to that grow side, um, are they? crossing it by you know i'm having a male of this strain and a female of this strain and then their little babies are you know the the new strain that's coming out and then they just clone the females from that or you know how are they going about making these different genetic lines sure so um you you get new genetics from crossing two different strains and so you'll have one strain that's a female of of x genetics and you'll have the male that's Y genetics and he produces pollen and you'll you'll pollinate. You can even um, take one plant that's, you know, okay, so say my OG Kush, I have this beautiful female OG Kush. She's got all sorts of branches, right? I can take individual branches and paint different pollen genetics and like that plant can make different, different seed lots basically. That's fascinating. That's very different cool. branches yeah so it's kind of you know like where that pollen hits is where that that sexual reproduction step is is going to happen and produce seed so um pollen that's why males are, are very, can be very dangerous you know pollen we think of pollen from trees and stuff and allergens uh you know you don't really think of like oh cannabis plants producing pollen but like that yellow stuff that like is in piles on your doorstep during you know early summer that's all pollen and it's from the trees sexing and doing their reproductive stuff so it's basically a bunch of like tree tree sperm on your dark um weed plants have that too and so uh when you're you're making these new genetics um you know you would make these seed lots you would do dev work on your seed lot to uh you know purify your genetics, so to speak. Um, so when you start off with like new genetics, you have the potential to have those multiple phenotypes, like I said. And so when you're maybe growing that to sell, uh, you know, you obviously would want to isolate the plants that you want, but like when you're growing it to make seed to distribute, like you don't want your seed lot to have multiple phenotypes because you're telling a customer that you're selling them plant with X genetics mm. and if it has these other genetics because that's just how how genetics works um, like Google Punnett squares if you're curious about how genetics works Punnett squares are a lot of fun I'm done with those I've, I've been through that many times I'm not no more no more of that shit no more Punnett squares yeah, I like no it um, but yeah so so that that's how that happens um couple more questions here um, from uh, our listeners over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, what are some of the problems that you are facing in researching cannabis? Like, is there like heavy regulation, which is making it difficult? Is it, um, you know, finding funding? What, you know, what are some of the roadblocks that you're running into? So if you're looking for funding for cannabis, a lot of that doesn't really exist because, um, you know, when you, you're going to have to have private funding, basically, there isn't a lot of government funding for any kind of cannabis research because, well, it's not federally legal. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the research that is, you know, allowed to be done is like more like public health related that I've seen. So 
um, wouldn't be like on the breeding side of things. Uh, hemp is more studied now in the academia sense of things. So that's kind of cool. Um, but some of the problems is that the cannabis market changes super, super rapidly. So, you know, what is popular this season? Oh, cool. That's a thing that we want to get on top of. Well, it takes like several generations to introduce new genetics. And so, you know, by the time you get to, to these new genetics that are popular now, like it might, they might not be what is hot on the market anymore. So you have to really be on top of your marketing and, and know what the industry wants and really predict what the industry is wants. And more than predict, tell the industry what the industry wants. Um, and you can do that through education uh, because there's so much about cannabis that you're right is just, oh, the best, the most THC. And it's, that comes from people not understanding the full potential of the plant. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, yeah. Nice. Regulations um, are also really difficult because when you're in a regulated space, you have to do a lot of testing. Um, and that means like not only anything that you have on your label needs to be tested for, but you also have to test for pesticides and mycotoxins and molds and mildews and yuck stuff and bacteria that you don't want in your product or your plants. And so um, those are very strict and it makes working with them very difficult, but also, you know, keeps the consumer much safer. Very, very true. Um... Yeah, running into Colorado, Colorado makes it kind of difficult to sell marijuana. I mean, you know, you're talking about metric earlier, like, you know, the government follows every, the plant from the moment it sprouts to the moment the last bud is sold. And um, there's a lot of uh, hoops and hurdles along the way. So, and I know research, it, it's probably just as uh, difficult and as regulated as the retail side of things. That's correct. And it does depend on what space you're in. The research that we're able to do in the hemp space, because it's not drug type cannabis, uh, is, you know, a little more broad, which is great. Um, it does make branching over into the THC space, you know, kind of scary uh, for me as a scientist, because, you know, then what, you know, what hoops am I going to have to jump through to study things that, are not yet regulated. So a lot of these cannabinoids, they're not yet regulated, but I'm going to be in a regulated space. And so it makes this, it, it does, it makes it very difficult. Um, last question. And then this one was a really fascinating question. Um, what is the future of weed? Put on your uh, prognostication hat. What is the future of weed and how is science going to impact that? So I hope, that the science of weed is going to allow us to do maybe some maybe some gene editing technology now like G gene editing does not necessarily mean gmo gmo indicates that you've introduced like um like foreign dna so it's like a genetically modified organism whereas like gene editing i think uh as i understand it like is just you editing like the genetics of the plant so you could like knock out certain genes so say that you want a truly free 
of THC plant. You don't want that plant to produce THC, but you have all these other compound profiles that you want. And so you could, in theory, use gene editing to knock out the THC synthase, which is the uh, process in the cannabis plant that makes THC. And so I think that will be kind of like more where things go. Um, gene editing has a very like negative connotation to it, but that that's like an example of gene editing is it's just editing within the genome of the organism. Um, additionally, I hope to see us learn more about what these different genes mean and how they interact with the human body. And so then someday you could go to a dispensary and be like, hey, I'm really nauseous, like, and they'll be like, bam, the strain is for nausea, uh, or like this compound is for nausea, or similar to maybe a compounding pharmacy, you know, where you're able to go to a more like medical specialty type of cannabis store. I think that would be really great too. I think there will always be the rec side, but I would like to see the medical side of things maybe you know, have the opportunity to become a little more medical, not pharma medical. Like I, I hate thinking of how corporate, uh, how corporate cannabis can become. And so mm -hmm. that's also a danger when you start looking at, you know, the more medical side of things and comparing it to something like a compounding pharmacy where you, uh, you know, where it gets kind of, gray area for my beliefs, but I, I hope that we'll be able to really bring out the medical potential in cannabis. Awesome. That's a really good uh, way to end it. Uh, what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking some stuff from the health center. It is listed as a hybrid and it's punk breath, um, which if I had to guess would be maybe motor breath and some kind of punch. Like yeah, like in the going the indica route there. Eh? Yeah, I think that's a slightly more indica strain. Like the these buds are really nice. I really like the health center. They have uh, really good mix and match deals on their weed, so that makes me happy. And these buds are really nice. So, so I myself, uh, no, in the the company I'm with. Um, people are very, very passionate about their weed. And uh, a, a dude that I worked with for the first time last week, uh, he grows his own shit as well. And he grew this fucking bomb ass uh, indica leaning copper chem. And he gave me this beautiful bud. Uh, I put it on the uh, on the, the site yesterday. Uh, my homeboy, Ryan Cush, uh, grew this beautiful bud. So I'm smoking that tonight. And it, just like the other day, man, it is no joke. It is a, a fireweed there. So uh, big shout out to my homeboy, Ryan Cush. He's growing that copper cam. So uh, that's, that's what I'm smoking awesome. tonight. Yeah. Um, Dave, I could go on and on for hours about the different sciences of cannabis. So I would love to come back and, and answer some more questions and talk some more about the science. Of dude, we want, I want you to come on every week and talk Dr. Who or talk cannabis, man. We just want you to come on because okay. uh, you're cool as fuck to talk to. So uh, we love I'm having down. you on. We're so lucky to have you as a, a friend of the show. So you're welcome on anytime. Um, so yeah. Um, I have some slides I never even got to touch today. So I would love to tell you guys. Yeah, we, we need to have a, a part two. Yeah. So maybe like in a couple of weeks, we'll have a Ask the Expert part two. And we'll start yeah, getting some more questions no. for that. 
Super. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, if you guys have any uh, comments, concerns, or criticisms, you guys can uh, always email us at themilehighpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. I, I don't ever touch Twitter or Instagram. Like, I hardly ever do anything there, but you can go and follow us anyway. Um, but you know, go to Facebook. Um, that's where we announce our shows. That's where um, you know, we are very passionate about um, marijuana prison reform um so you see a lot of postings from us from there um so please go follow us to facebook um james assures me that since he has dropped quite a bit of money on our website that he's going to update it uh, it's still like a year behind an update so i mean we have like four different shows that are on our network that are still aren't out there but james assures me that the fucking website will finally be done so you can go to www.truckypacific.com um, and if you want to throw a couple bucks our way, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, you can go to Venmo at Chucky Pacific 303. Um, any last words, Kim, before we go? Um, just make sure what you're smoking is safe out there. Um, you know, when you get random stuff from your friends, you know, be aware of what their uh, pest management program is because you don't want to end up smoking things that are no bueno for you. Just a lot of the stuff that you pick up at the hardware is, is yuck. So just go to your dispensary, go see Dave. Dave will take care of you and all that cannabis that's regulated and otherwise maybe educate your friends about what they should be using in their gardens. There you go. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, next week, we're going to have our epic James's Games. Uh, James has been dying to have this show. It's an epic um, mar best Marvel villain um, and he's been dying and it's going to be a, a really good time. So make sure you tune in and, and then all the, you know, in two weeks from now, we're going to have, uh, uh, Kim back. Cause we just came up with part two of vast experts. So, uh, we literally just came up with this idea. So in two weeks, you know, come on back. Um, you know, our shows are going to be up back on Monday. Um, Fridays just weren't working out so well for us, uh, with our schedules and shit and life changes and such. So Mondays are going to be the new night for Monday, uh, for my high podcast. So thank you guys for joining in. Uh, special shout out to Rob Roberts. Uh, he's a great friend of all the shows here on Truckee Pacific. So big shout out to him. And lastly, uh, our season sponsors, my parents, Paul and Betsy Hawkins. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and thank you guys so much for coming on. And you guys have a good night. Thank you. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.